They're coming in, and so we're going to have a shorter, a little shorter service today. I'm going to preach a little shorter to get you out of here in plenty of time. Let's go to Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ, talking about Jesus, has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or, of course, on a cross. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, redeem, the word redeem means to set free by paying a ransom. And so Jesus paid a great ransom for us and set us free from the curse of the law. Now, a lot of people don't know what the curse of the law is, so... I'm not going to take the time this morning, but you could go back and read Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, and you could see what the curse of the law is. Now, certainly, first and foremost, it has to do with with sin. You understand that. But also, Jesus not only redeemed us from sin and the penalty of sin, but what a lot of people don't realize is he redeemed us from not only sin, but from sickness and disease. He set us free from sickness and disease. Also, he set us free from poverty. We could talk about that. But today we're going to talk about sickness and disease. Jesus redeemed us not only from sin, but also from what? From sickness and disease. Now, when did he do it? Well, when he hung on the tree, you can look at Isaiah, the 53rd chapter and the fourth verse says, surely he, talking about Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word grief actually is mistranslated in the King James. It actually ought to read this way. Surely he has borne our sickness and disease. That's how that word actually, that word grief, it, they translated it grief, but you get back in and you study in the Hebrew. It really reads, he's borne our sickness and disease. And carried our sorrows. That word sorrow, they translated it sorrow into King James. It ought to be pain. So it should read this way and study it out. Do your own study and find out. You'll see what I'm saying is right. Surely he has borne our sickness and disease and carried our pain. Now, if Jesus bore our sickness and disease and carried our pain for us, there's no reason that we should have to do it ourselves. Is that right? Yes or no? I mean, if you went out to a restaurant... If we went out to eat lunch and I said, I'm going to pay the bill and I paid the bill, would it make any sense for you to go up to the cashier after I paid the bill and pay the bill yourself? Would that make any sense? That'd just be stupid. I shouldn't use the word stupid, but that'd be what? It'd be stupid, wouldn't it? That'd be be stupid. Is that right? And uh, so he paid the price for us. Not only as it pertains to sin, so we don't have to go to hell, that's wonderful. But he also paid the price as it pertains to sickness and disease and we don't have to be sick. And then the Bible goes on and says, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In verse 5, Isaiah 53, 5, it says, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. See, that has to do with sin. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That has to do with our mental realm, our mind. Depression, oppression. A lot of times people suffer with depression, oppression. Jesus bore all your oppression and depression for you. You don't have to bear it. And then it goes on to say, by his stripes we are what? We are healed. And then if you come over to the New Testament, the first 
Peter 2.24. He's just quoting Isaiah. He says, 1 Peter 2.24, Who himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree or on, on the cross. Bore our sins. He sins first and foremost, certainly. But then also, having died to sins, we might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were what? Healed. See, Jesus, uh, the Romans put 39 lashes on him. And you can study it out sometime and you'll see there's 39 different categories of sickness and disease. Jesus took a, took a, a, a whip, took a, took a lash for every kind of sickness and disease that's, that's, that's in existence. Isn't that wonderful? And by those, by his stripes, when he, when he was raised from the dead, those stripes were all healed. And when he got healed, we got healed with him. Christians need to realize that. Now I realize, and if you don't know this, you should know this, there's a, there's a big flu season this year. Is that right? Have you, have you seen it? Flu epidemic is going, going all over the place. And so, uh, the question is, if, if Christians have been redeemed, what does redeemed mean? It means to be set free. To be set free by someone paying a ransom. Who paid the ransom for us? Jesus. So if Christians, having been redeemed from the curse of the law, if we've been redeemed from all sickness and disease, why then do Christians still get sick? It's a good question, isn't it? You know, the Bible says in, in the book of Proverbs, I will not look it up. You can look it up. It's in the 26th chapter of Proverbs. It says, the curse without a cause shall not come. The curse without a cause shall not come. Now, how many of you would agree with me sickness and disease is a curse? Every last form of it is a curse. Would you agree with me the flu is a curse, isn't it? Uh, uh, respiratory flu, stomach flu, any kind of flu, it's a curse. It, it's just a curse. You know, some people errantly think that when a person gets sick, they're sick for the glory of God. Did you know God doesn't get any glory out of you being sick or me being sick? Is that right? I mean, if God got glory out of it, why don't we go out to a to a place where everybody's sick and get around those people and get sick? I mean, I mean, that'd make that would that be I shouldn't say the word, but what starts with an S, what's that? would be what? That'd be stupid, wouldn't it? Silly, whatever. I haven't met anybody yet that wants to be sick. But if Christians, if we've been redeemed, did you read that a while ago? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So if he set us free, there's no need in us being, being sick. Is that right? Okay. I mean, he died on the cross so we don't have to go to hell. One of the stupidest things. I'm using that word a lot. One of the stupidest things anybody ever did is go where? Go to hell. You know God's never sent anybody to hell, but millions of people have gone. Why? Because they reject Jesus Christ. If you receive Jesus, in a moment's time, you can be miss hell and make heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? It's a free gift. Uh, but but being, being healed is a free gift, too, from God. You receive healing the same way you receive salvation, by faith. So if Christians get sick, why are they sick? The curse without a cause doesn't come. There's two basic reasons why Christians are sick. Two basic reasons. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. And I'm going to tell them both to you and then we'll just briefly look at each one. There's two basic reasons why Christians get sick. The first reason is sin or disobedience in their life. And the second reason is it's an attack of the devil. Those two reasons. And what I've found from pastoring now for all these years, I've found that most of the time, as I've observed it, 
Christians don't get sick because there's some heinous sin in their life. Now, sometimes that is the case. But most Christians are sick because the devil is a creep. And the devil goes around attacking people. And he'll go around and he'll try to put sickness and disease on you. And the Bible says that God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. So if you don't know that Jesus has set you free from sickness and disease, if you don't know that you have a right to healing, if you don't know that, if you don't know how to claim your healing, if you don't know how to how to stand for your healing, then the devil will come along, slap sickness and disease on you, and you'll just, you know, think, well, I guess I just got to be sick. How many of you know you don't have to be sick? You, you, you just don't have to be. So there's sin and disobedience. Sometimes, and I've seen it, sometimes Christians do get over in the area of sin. And when you get over into an area of sin, you get over on the devil's territory. And then he's got a right to put things on you, certainly. But for the most part, and I say this because I've watched this, most of the time it's not because there's some great sin in somebody's life. It's usually when somebody gets sick, Christians now, when they get sick, it's because the devil has attacked them. And so, but just just briefly here, let's look at, at, at both of these real quick. Sin and disobedience, let's do that one first. Go to uh, John, the fifth chapter and the fourteenth verse. John, the fifth chapter and the fourteenth verse. The man at the pool of Bethesda, you know, there, there, there were... Uh, uh, a lot of sick people there and whatnot. And Jesus healed this guy. And afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. John 5.14. You can read the whole story on your own time. Sake of time here. We'll just read verse 14. Jesus finds him in the temple. This is after Jesus had healed this guy. And he says to him, see, you've been made well. And then Jesus says to him, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Could we conclude then that sin played a role in why this guy was sick? Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have told him, sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. So sometimes sin can be the reason that somebody is sick. Now, if you go to 1 John 5.18, 1 John 5.18, notice this. Uh... In 1 John 5.18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Actually, as you translate that and study that, you'll see what, what he really said there is, we know that whoever is born of God does not practice sin. Now, how many of you know you don't have to sin ever? You don't have to. But how many has ever messed up since they've been saved besides me? I mean, you know, we don't have to sin. We've messed up. We, we, we do sometimes, unfortunately. This is talking about not being perfect. This is talking about practicing sin. Do you know there's a difference between messing up and then practicing something? Is that, is that right? And so we know that whoever is born of God, and how do you get born of God? By repenting of your sins and receiving Jesus as your Savior. That's how you get born of God. That's how you get born again. Whoever is born of God does not practice. Realize say practice. Does not practice sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. You ought to underline that. Keeps himself. You study into that a little bit. You'll see this has an implication of living right. Who's ever born of God keeps himself living right. Living right. How many of you know we ought to live right? You know what I mean by that? We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't practice sin. Who's ever born of God keeps himself. And if you'll do that, the Bible says that the wicked one does not what? Does not, does not what? Touch him. Who's the wicked one? The devil. Where does sickness and disease come from? It comes from the devil. God doesn't put sickness and disease on people. He's not the author of sickness and disease. Sickness and disease comes from the devil. But this verse tells me that if we'll keep ourselves. 
if we'll keep ourselves pure, we live right before God, then the devil won't be able to touch us. Isn't that wonderful? And then notice 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter and the 29th verse. Now, we're going to receive communion today. If you're visiting, we don't receive communion here every week. We do about every six weeks, but just fell on today. So this this fits right in here with this message and this verse fits right in here. We're talking about why Christians get sick. The Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit is writing through the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And he says right here, and boy, this brings it out so well. He says, he says this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. Now, they were getting ready to receive the Lord's Supper, just like we're going to do here in just a few minutes before we close the service. And the, the, the church in Corinth would come together and they'd receive the Lord's Supper. And uh, what they would do, and there's much we could say about it, but they did not walk in love towards one another. And you can see that if you study it out and read there, you can see that they'd come and they and they used wine back there. Then we use grape juice, and but they used wine. They they'd get to drinking so much they'd get drunk. What a church that would have been to pastor! My goodness, you get to church members getting drunk on the communion. Isn't that something? They'd come and they'd actually come to church and they'd drink so much of the wine that they'd get drunk. Can you imagine that? And then. You can see where they'd be, and I'll just put it in words where you can understand, they'd be butting in line ahead of one another to try to get to the bread, and they'd gorge themselves on the bread, and they were gluttonizing themselves, and they were pushing people out of the way and butting in line, and all of that, we could say, to get at the, to get at the bread. Could you imagine anybody doing that? Would you agree with me that's not walking in love, is it? Is definitely not walking in love. And so notice, having said that, let's read this here again. 1 Corinthians 11.29 For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. Well, would you agree with me that getting drunk on the, on the wine and, and gluttonizing on the bread would be an unworthy manner? It didn't say that they were unworthy people. They were worthy to receive communion because they were believers. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But they, this bunch in Corinth were some of the worldliest Christians. The Bible calls them carnal Christians. And, and they were just a mess. But look at look at this. It says they he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Well, they didn't under not they didn't understand the Lord's body. What, what this is really getting at is that you know when when a person gets saved, we become a member of the body of Christ. Is that correct? And, and they were they weren't walking in love towards one another. They were not walking in love towards one another. And and they didn't understand that when they were being rude to their fellow brother or sister in Christ, it's really like being rude to Jesus himself. Did you, did you understand? Did you get that? See, I don't. I've not met one person yet that would ever be rude to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I've met people over the years that would be rude to my wife. Now... If you're rude to my wife, it's equal to being rude to Jesus because she's a member of the body of Christ. Is that right? I've met people over the years. They'd never be rude to Jesus, but they'd be rude to me. But we have to realize I'm a member of the body of Christ. So so if you're rude to me, it's like being rude to Jesus. I've, I've not met one person yet that'd ever be rude to Jesus, but I've met multitudes that'd be rude to Brian. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But you have to realize, I'm just teasing, but to be rude to him is to be rude to Jesus. Because he, now he's not Jesus, but he's a member, neither am I, neither is my wife. But we're members of the body of Christ. 
And so what people don't realize is when they're not walking in love towards their brothers and sisters in Christ, it's like, it's like being rude to Jesus himself. How many of you remember when Paul, Saul, before he became Paul, he was on the road to Damascus, he was going in to persecute the Christians? How many remember that? Jesus appeared to him in bright light, knocked him down to the ground. He said, Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you, he didn't say, why are you persecuting my believers? Why are you persecuting the Christians? He said, why are you persecuting me? Jesus takes it personal when we're rude to one another. Do you understand that? And, and, it, and, and I will see, you know how I said a moment ago that usually there's not some heinous sin in a Christian's life that's causing him to be sick? And that's true. But I will say that the number one reason that I've seen that Christians a lot of times are sick, it's not because there's some heinous, what we would call heinous sin, that they're drunkards or they're, you know, sex addicts or this or that. But this one right here, I've watched this over the many, many years, right here, is... Folks not walking in love towards one another. Did you get what I just said? This is a biggie. Let's read on. Verse 30. This is a biggie. Say this is a biggie. This is a biggie here. Watch this. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many... Sleep, that word sleep, it means many die young. How many of you don't want to die young? And what was happening is they were not walking in love towards one another. Much else we could say, but this is a primary thing. They were not walking in love towards one another. They weren't discerning the Lord's body. They didn't understand that by being rude to one another and so forth is really being rude to Jesus. They didn't realize that their brothers and sisters in Christ were really part of the Lord's body. They didn't understand that. And and by, by not walking in love towards one another, for this reason, many of them were weak and sick and... Many died young. You want to know why Christians are sick a lot of times? It's because not walking in love towards one another. Simple as that. Now, if there is sin in your life, and if the devil's been able to put sickness on you because there's sin in your life, there's a real quick remedy to it. Do you know what it is? It's called R-E-P-E-N-T. What does that spell? Repent. Repent. If you're really sorry in your heart, ask the Lord to forgive you. He'll forgive you instantly. And I tell you what, start walking in love towards folk and get that sin, whatever it might be, out of your life. And you'll watch the sickness and disease will depart. It'll leave you just like a bird flying up off a fence post. Can you say amen? So so, so sin a lot of times, uh, and I say a lot of times, some of the times. But now, the second reason, and I'm trying to do this quick here today so you, we beat the weather home. The second reason, and this is, this is the, the most common reason I've seen that Christians are sick, is this, what we're going to close the message with. An attack of the devil. The, the Christian didn't do anything wrong. They're not living a life of sin. They're not practicing sin. Nothing like that. They're doing their best to walk in love towards everybody. They're doing their best to forgive everybody. They really are doing their best to, to, to walk right before God. And sickness and disease hits them. And, and they, they haven't done anything wrong. It's just the devil is a creep and he goes about seeking people whom he may devour. Did you get what I just said? And then a lot of times you'll see these, these good Christians, they'll get sick and then they'll start thinking, I wonder what I did wrong. I wonder what I did wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. The devil is a creep. Did you hear me? I say he's a creep. And worse. 
Attack of the devil. Look at John 9, the first chapter. John chapter, the first verse. John chapter 9, the first verse. Now watch this. An attack of the devil. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, or teacher, who sinned? This man or his parents? You know, I've watched this over the years when the Christian gets sick. People are always trying to figure out where do they sin? Where do they sin? Where do they sin? Where do they let the devil in? Where, where do they let the devil in? Where do they do? You know what? I learned a long time ago. How many has ever watched The Wizard of Oz? Have you ever seen that? And right there near the beginning, right when it goes from black and white to color. How many remembers that? When it goes black and white to color. <laughs> you ever see The Wizard of Oz? And, 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 and that house fell on that first witch. How many remembers that? And, and, and so, so the, the second witch comes in there, which was her sister, and she was worse than the one that's under the house that's dead. Dorothy dropped the house on him, you know, on the, on the one. But see, the wicked witch of the west was a really bad one. The wicked witch of the east was horrible. She's under the house dead. How many remembers that? And, and, and so, remember the wicked witches in there in the land, in Munchkin land. How many remembers that? And, and so, uh, Glenda says to the wicked witch, she said, you better watch out lest, lest the next house does what? Fall on you. I don't want the next house to fall on me. So when somebody gets sick, I'm not going around trying to figure out why they got sick. It's none of my business. It's between them and God. Is that right? Is that right? So don't try to figure out why some why something bad happened to somebody else. Because you don't want the next house to what? Fall on you. Somebody runs on hard times. Don't try to figure out where they missed it. You try to figure out how you can help them. Is that right? Is that right? You try to figure out how you can help them. But nonetheless... So, so they said, teacher, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. And Jesus answered and said, neither this man or his parents sinned. Now we understand, how many of you know the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? So, so Jesus wasn't contradicting himself. We understand we've all sinned and missed it. But what Jesus was saying here is that this blindness had nothing to, to do with this man or his parents committing sin. You need to realize that. This man was blind and, and, and the man didn't do anything wrong or his parents to cause this to happen. But that the glory of God or but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And how many of you know Jesus went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And what did Jesus do? He gave this man his sight back. Is that right? Is that wonderful? Is that wonderful? I mean, I'll just quote this. It's not in the notes, but I'll quote it. It's, it's Acts 10:38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, notice, who's the good guy, God or the devil? God's the good one. Jesus is the good one. God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth, his son, with the Holy Ghost and with power, and Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed of the devil. Who's the bad guy? Who's putting sickness and disease on people? It's the devil. And, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So you see, the devil will attack people a lot of times, but Jesus has come to set us free. Amen. Now, notice here in Luke, the 13th chapter and the 16th verse, remember that woman that was bent over? And she was bent over for all those years, you know? And and we, you could read the whole story there in Luke, the 13th chapter, but for the sake of time and to beat the weather, Luke, Luke 13, 16, Jesus says this, So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, see this woman had been bent over for all those years, 
And notice he says, for 18 years she'd been met over, and he says, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who, whom, who, who bound this woman? Who bound her? Did God bind her? Who bound her? Satan bound her. Think of it, 18 years. Shouldn't she be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And how many of you know, Jesus is a good, he's a good God, isn't he? And he healed this lady, didn't he? Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. So, why are Christians sick? Most of the time, it's simply because the devil has gone about and has attacked them with sickness and disease. Sometimes, as I said, Christians may have sin in their life, but if that's the case, repent. But a lot of times, most of the time, it's because the devil is a creep and he goes about attacking people. So you say, Pastor, the devil has attacked me. What do I do? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. I'm going to give you the answer. Go to 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. What do you do? What do you do if the devil attacks you with sickness and disease? What do you do? 1 Peter 5, 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. You're going to have to be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a what? Roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then verse 9 tells you what to do. What does it say? Resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him. Now, James 4, 7, go there. Let's just go, go there. We could finish that verse, but sake of time. J- James 4, 7. Tell you the same thing. Therefore, submit to who? Submit to God. Then what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, a lot of times people want to do the second half of that verse, but they don't want to do the first half. They want to resist the devil, all right, but... In order for you resisting to do any good, you're going to have to do the first part of that verse, which is what? Submit to God. You're going to have to submit yourself to God. Now, if you're not living a life submitted to God, you can resist the devil till you're blue in the face and he's not going to go anywhere. But if you live a life submitted to God, you resist the devil and he will what? He will flee from you. And there's what you study in that word flee. It actually, you study into it, you can find that he'll flee from you as in stark raving terror. How many of you know the devil need, need be far more afraid of us than we ever should be of him? Not because of who we are in and of ourselves, but because of who we are in Christ Jesus. The devil's not afraid of you and me in and of ourselves, but he's afraid of who we serve. He's afraid of the Lord Jesus. And if you'll submit yourself to God, then you resist the devil and he will what? He will what? He will flee. You resist the sickness. You resist the disease. And it will flee. Uh, A good man of God, when I was just a young boy, told me this. And it really has been helpful. I was probably 20 years old when he told me this. And he he said, son, if you want to be successful in the ministry, if you want to be successful living for God. He said, when you resist the devil, he said, you resist him, and then you stay until the devil leaves. That'd be worth writing that one down. A lot of people want to just resist the devil. They resist the sickness. They resist the disease. And then they wonder, well, how come it didn't leave just instantly? You resist the devil, and then you do what? You stay until the devil leaves. 
Do you get that? Did you hear me? You resist the devil and then you stay because the Bible said he will what? He will what? He will flee from you. Now, people want to want to know, and I've got about five minutes left. They want to know, how do you resist? How do you resist sickness and disease? How do you do it? Well, let's go, and I'm going to switch these up just a little bit to my scripture person back there. Let's go Mark, to Mark 11, 23. You need to realize while you're turning to Mark 11:23 that at the root, sickness and disease is spiritual. Now, it has a physical manifestation, but at the root, sickness and disease is spiritual. It'd do you real good to know that. Sickness and disease at its root is spiritual. It has a physical manifestation in, in that it manifests physically in your, in your body, but it has a spiritual root. And you have to resist it at the root. You have to resist it at that level or you'll never get free from it. Jesus said here, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now, this is where Christians miss it. You've got to get a hold of this. He said, Whosoever says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. When sickness and disease hits your body, what you don't do, and, and see, people don't understand this, you don't go to God and start crying to God and asking God to heal you. You're wasting your time. Now, I'm going to get in, and I think unless the Lord changes it next week and for the next several weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about prayer. And so we'll talk about these things in more depth. But where Christians make a mistake, and my people perish for a lack of knowledge, most Christians don't know what I'm about to tell you. Because they've not studied their Bible, or they've not listened to the messages. Listen carefully. When sickness and disease hits your body, you don't go to God crying to God, asking God to heal you. He's already done that. He did that. God healed you when Jesus hung on that cross and when he was raised from the dead. Did you? Did you? Most Now, look. What is that? Okay. Now. All right. Now. She, who's got the wallet now? Me or my wife. This is not tough. She's got the. All right. Now, she just. Now, now who's got the wallet now? Diane, give me my wallet. Please give me my wallet. Won't you give me my wallet? Oh, give me my wallet. Oh, please give me my wallet. Oh, please give me my wallet. Now, you would think that was, starts with an S. There it is again. Why? Because I already have it. Oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, heal me. That's Stupid, because God has already done all that He's going to do to heal you. It's just a matter of you receiving it. It's a matter of you appropriating it. When sickness and disease hits your body, resist it. How do you do that? You don't do it by going and begging God to heal you. He's already done it. What you do is you you speak to the sickness. You speak to the disease. You command it in the name of Jesus to leave your body. Can you say amen? That's how you resist it. You resist it steadfast in the faith. Believing God. Speaking to the mountain. Speaking to the cancer. Speaking to the sickness. Speaking to the disease. Not in and of yourself. But in and of the name of Jesus. You see. Did you hear me? You understand that? Let's go to Luke 4. Let's just speed this up here. I'm almost done. Luke 4.38. You getting anything out of this? 
How am I doing beating a storm? Am I beating a storm? I'm beating a... I think so. It looks like the sun's come out out there, so we're in good shape. Luke 4.38. Yeah, but it hasn't got here yet, but I'm almost done. Luke 4.38. Now, Jesus arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. That's Peter's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a what? With a what? And they made request of him concerning her. He stood over her and he begged God the Father to do something about the fever. What did he do? He rebuked the... Did Jesus talk to the fever? He talked to it. He rebuked it. Here's an example. He stood over her and he rebuked the fever. And it left her. Isn't that wonderful? And immediately she arose and served him. So... The number one reason that Christians are sick, I'm convinced of it, is the devil's attacked them. And when he attacks, what you do is you resist. And you resist with your words. See, sickness and disease at its root is what? It's spiritual. Your words are spirit. When you speak to sickness and disease, you're hitting it at its root. You speak to it in the name of the Lord Jesus. You resist it at its root. Sickness and disease is spiritual. It has a physical manifestation, but at its root, it's spiritual. You resist it in the name of Jesus. Jesus rebuked the fever. He didn't beg God the Father to do anything about it. He rebuked the fever. Now, there's times we pray to God. A lot of times we pray to God. We talk to God. We do. Come next couple of weeks, and we're going to teach you some things about prayer. But when, but, but there's something known as a prayer of faith. It's really a declaration of faith. And you don't speak to the to God about it. You talk to the to the devil. You speak to the devil. You speak to the the fever you speak to the flu you command it to leave your body i start talking to it before it ever gets to my body did you hear me i said did you hear me so if it's an attack of the devil resist it and then i need to close with this pastor terry what do you think about doctors and hospitals and medicines i believe in them I believe good hospitals, good doctors, and good medicines have been given us by God. And what are those doctors and hospitals, what are they trying to do? They're trying to resist sickness, aren't they? Isaiah advised Hezekiah to use medicine. That's an Old Testament prophet. Advised the king. Paul advised Timothy to use wine for medicinal purposes. Paul, the apostle, traveled with a medical doctor named Luke. I got a flu shot this year. I get them every year. So does my wife. That's just smart. That's not stupid. That's what? That's smart. I try to follow good medical advice. We should. I go to a doctor every year. I, I go from for you know, I go to the dentist. I go to the doctor, and I and, and I'd use medicine, and I have used it. I'd use it again. I'm not against medicine. I just think when sickness hits our body, we shouldn't turn to the doctor first. We ought to talk to God first and and rebuke the sickness first, and then if we need to, then go to the doctor can you say amen? amen nothing wrong with good hospitals doctors and medicines i've seen so many people get healed of some serious stuff because they look to god first and then they look to the doctor and between what god did and what the doctor did they walked free of the sickness isn't that wonderful I've seen some people that they got healed just by resisting the sickness. Some people they have to go to the doctor. Either way, it's a good deal because we want to get healed. Is that right? 
There's a guy named Asa in the Old Testament. He had a disease in his feet and his disease was severe. And the Bible said, yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but only the physicians. And I believe, as I remember, it cost him his life. Nothing wrong with going to the doctor. Go to the doctor. I go to the doctor. My wife goes to the doctor. But who should we look to first? Jesus. Do you get anything out of this? So if there's sin in your life and that's the reason you're sick, repent. If it's an attack of the devil, then resist the devil. Let's receive communion. Okay, guys, pass it out. I trust you got something out of this today. How did I do? do? I got done and trying to get done about now. So we're in good shape. If you're visiting today, I guess what the other half of our church are, they probably... Didn't want to get caught up in the ice, but that's okay. I, I, I don't blame folk for staying home today. Uh, you just never know. But I think we're going to get you out of here in a good, a good amount of time. All right, praise God. I trust you got something good. Pass that out as quick as you can, and we're going to receive the communion, and then we'll go home. I do need to say this, that uh, I'll say that in a minute. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Let's, let's respect this communion table. What do you say? It's to be highly respected. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. There's only one requirement necessary for you to receive this communion, and that's that you're born again. You know Jesus as your Savior. You don't have to be a member of any certain denomination or church to receive the Supper of the Lord. You just need to be sure you're born again. So just bow your heads there as they're passing this around. Don't bow your heads though until you get to communion. Or that won't work too good. But once you get to communion, just let's meditate just for a moment. When I say meditate, I pray however you want to say it. Meditate on the things of God. Think about this message today. If there's something in your life that oughtn't to be there, just repent. But you've got to mean it from your heart. Repent. And just confess, the Bible said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just confess your sins to the Lord. Right there between you and him. He'll forgive you faster than you can snap your finger if you really mean it. Praise God. <clears throat> and, uh, and uh, if uh, sickness has got a hold of your body in somehow or another and you've searched yourself and you can't see any area where you've really missed it, then you rebuke the sickness, rebuke the disease. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you can do it right there under your breath, just loud enough where you and God can hear it. And speak to it. Speak to the flu. Speak to your back. Speak to whatever's hurting you. Speak to your, if your arm's hurting you. Speak to your back if it's hurting you. Speak to it. Do it in faith now. You've got to do it in faith. Steadfast in the faith, nothing wavering. And say, sickness, disease, I command you in the name of Jesus to loose your hold on my body. I tell you, you do that, I tell you what, you stay till the devil leaves. The sickness has to go. Has to go. And like I said, if you need to use a doctor, use a doctor. Nothing wrong with that. Father, I thank you for the bread here that represents the body, the of the Lord Jesus Christ that bore our sickness and carried our disease. And with his stripes were healed as we partake of this bread. We do so by faith, honoring what he did for us on Calvary's cross. Bearing our sickness and disease in his body. 
so we don't have to. He paid the ransom so we can be free. And as we receive this bread, we do so in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. Go ahead and partake of the bread. Father, we thank you likewise for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary. On that cross, that blood that was shed that washes sins away as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And His blood, that precious blood of Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. Makes a sinner into a saint. Makes a prostitute pure. Makes a harlot holy. Hallelujah. We're just so grateful for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus that when someone repents and receives Him as Savior, that blood washes their sins away, makes them a new person in Christ. We're so grateful for it. We're also thankful that we as Christians, when we miss it, if we miss it, that same blood that caused us to be born again and be washed clean, that we as Christians, if we miss it, we can repent, confess our sins, and that same blood cleanses from all sin. We're just so grateful, thankful for your precious holy blood. And with that in mind, and in remembrance of you, Lord God, we receive that which represents the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Go ahead and protect. There'll be a containers at the door you can put your receptacle in. Stand with me if you would. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, there'll be some men and women standing up here after the we dismiss. You come up here and you can accept Jesus as Savior. You miss hell, make heaven. He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Praise God. So glad that you came today. Thankful that you came. A little bit of an abbreviated service today, but sometimes you don't have to say a whole lot for people to get a whole lot. Praise God. So trust that you uh, got something good out of this. Now, many of you I know have to leave. We are putting up the Christmas decorations after we dismiss. So if you can stay for a few minutes and help us with that, we'd appreciate that. We've got some food for you if you want to stay and eat. Others of you may may need to leave, certainly. We want everybody to be safe. So God, I just ask that your hand of protection rest upon these people. I charge the angels of God that's been assigned to each and every one of us. I charge them with the word of God to keep us safe. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And we not even dash our foot against a stone or stub our toe. You protect us in our going and our coming. In Jesus' name. And I rebuke sickness and disease from this congregation. I rebuke the flu. I rebuke the stomach flu. I rebuke the respiratory flu. And any other kind of flu. In Jesus' name. Any kind of sickness. Any kind of disease. I rebuke it. I rebuke all pain, all ailment, those things causing those symptoms. I I command the bodies to come in line. I release the anointing and the power of God to bring soundness and wholeness and healing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Right. Greet a few people and you're dismissed. We'll see you next time. Don't forget Hebrews Tuesday night if you can come.